Oh, Are you man. good with that one? You got enough time? Uh, okay. Oh, good. Okay. Don't even tell me. Don't even tell me. So I'll ask you when we get there. But I just wanted to make sure that you weren't like, oh, God, please don't ask me that okay. one. So. That is okay. perfect. Welcome to Fresh Takes by Total Expert, designed to get you up, get you moving, and propel your business forward. Hit the pavement with us as we connect you to financial services experts, get their take on the state of the industry, and leave with actionable insights. Here's your host, Total Expert Chief Customer Officer, Sue Woodard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Takes. And hopefully you've got your shoes on, your sneakers. If you're in Minnesota, you're going to need your mucklucks on right now that you're going out, taking a walk because you should have time to walk about a mile during this episode. Well, we walk a mile in some amazing shoes. Mr. Hunter Young from Hi-Fi Agency. Welcome, Hunter. Hey, Sue. Glad, glad, glad to be here. And I am glad you're here. I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about you in case they don't know you yet. But Hunter is the founder and president of Hi-Fi Agency, a modern brand and digital marketing firm dedicated to helping financial companies build lasting media and marketing strategies, spend wisely and scale faster. And they do this through a real-time and iterative strategic process, an intensive analysis of your media buying, and the creation of powerful automated marketing programs. And I can vouch for this, actually. Um, And Hunter is also the host of the Financial Experience Podcast, which is awesome, sharing stories about the people and companies who are changing the financial world. So we are so glad you're here. I've actually had the opportunity to be on your podcast. And so it's fun to return the favor and have you back. Um, Now, We always start with something a little bit different before we get into the meat of our topic today. Um, We have these table talk cards that we use at at Total Expert that are just kind of conversation starters. A lot of the folks listening may have gotten a pack of these or seen these at our events over the years when we used to be live. So I pulled out a question to ask you. And um, the question that came out here, Hunter, is what is the most embarrassing fashion trend you used to rock? Okay, well, let's uh, <laughs> let's rewind to, <laughs> um, if we must, let's rewind to sixth grade. Now, we all had probably pretty interesting choices, mm. uh, fashion choices, among other things. And I don't know if this counts as fashion, but uh, at that time, I had the brilliant idea that I was going to shave the sides of my head. So if you can picture this, shave bald the right and left sides of my head. However, I was going to continue to grow out my hair on the top and the back. Uh, sure. Unbeknownst to me at the time, that is what's referred to as a mullet. Um, and uh, it grew and it it, uh, it didn't look anything like I had planned. Uh, <laughs> you mix, mix that fashion with, uh, at the time, you know, like acid wash jeans that then jut out at the bottom. I think they were called chicos mm. and other things at the time. Uh, just the whole thing. Sixth grade was, it, it was a rough year for me fashion wise. I think if we all think back to sixth grade, um, there's there's some interesting fashion choices we were all probably making, depending on the era. I'm a little bit older than you, so I have to tell you that, you know, what comes to mind with my embarrassing fashion trend um, is also my hair. Um, being a child of, you know, the 80s, coming up in the 80s, I had the most unbelievable mall hair. I mean, it was the biggest, most glorious pile of bangs and spiral perm and like... Uh. Oh my gosh. And I just, so I, I feel you an acid wash jeans. I kind of need to see a photo. This is, these kind of photos are what we really should share in a corporate <laughs> environment. Um, so I, I really want to see that now that you said that. Okay. So I'm going to put you on a duel. We're both going to put them on LinkedIn. And um, so I'd like to see your mullet and I shall share my most glorious mall hair is what I call it. So, uh, I love so it. 
The match is on, we'll, my friend. We will All do right. it. It's shared embarrassment <laughs> online. I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Transparency. <laughs> so speaking of transparency, we're actually going to be diving into some pretty interesting, um, you know, conversational points today. Um, one of the things I know that is a, a real like big topic for you is embedded finance, where you're talking about really the integration of multiple technology or data sources, um, all focused around giving the customer a more valuable experience. And you do this so incredibly well. So when we think about our listeners, you know, financial institutions, Institutions. They're sitting on mountains of data and very personal data for that matter, right? It's the most personal things that, that people are sharing. How much do you make? How much do you have? <laughs> Your credit, all these things. Yet, very often, the customer experience feels kind of disconnected and impersonal. So share a little bit about some of the breakthroughs that you've seen lately that financial institutions are making in order to create a much more personalized experience. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to try to make this brief because I'm pretty passionate about this. But, uh, you know, the as, uh, I want people to think about all the different places where finance is embedded in our modern digital world. Uh, you think about point of sale systems, e-commerce, uh, various types of vertical software, ride sharing apps, um, a whole variety of new fintech direct-to-consumer apps, uh, and you've got large consumer technology companies, even telecom companies. So there's all these places where we're making micro decisions, micro financial decisions, you know, very, very quick. Um, it may be something as simple as hailing the Uber, or it may be more complex in that I need to split a payment out that I made for a large purchase into multiple installments, but I'm doing that after I already made that purchase with my financial provider who gave me the opportunity to do that. So that's a very, very different style of quick digital embedded decision-making that's really changing the game for, and, mm -hmm. and you're going to see this accelerate tremendously over the coming years. So whether it's pressures from a lot of the big tech companies, or it's these new FinTech players pressuring some of the uh, incumbents to, to change things up, um, there's going to be a host of new styles of embedded finance uh, for consumers going forward. Mm, that's going to be exciting to dig into as we do see some of those changes. And, you know, expanding on that data conversation, you know, one of the the things that, you know, we've seen and I know you've talked about is that consumers want to work with a financial institution that that gets them right, that understands them and feels, um, you know, that resonates with with them. And kind of to your point, some of those little decisions that they're making and doing it in the style that they want. Um, and some of the you know, there was a PwC survey recently that said that 50 percent of consumers because of that are just as likely to open their next account with a new bank than they are with their existing bank. You know, very disappointing to some of the banks <laughs> listening that that might be the case. Um, but what are some of those communication gaps that you see are happening um, that are causing that that could be quick wins for some of the folks listening to, to fill? Yeah. And so, I mean, I tell people the story that I've had many banking relationships because I'm a nerd and I, I sign up for a lot of bank accounts. But I've had most of my banking relationships that are long-term, these are go back 25 plus years. I, I have a couple of those where I have never been communicated to. That is, that is mind blowing to me. You think about every other type of company you interact with, whether it's software, even your cable services, your new streaming services, 
all of them are in pretty regular communication with you. Sometimes it's just instructional. Sometimes it's educational and valuable. But just think about how many touch points those other types of companies and the fact that you can have a 25-year relationship with a financial institution and never receive a single communication outside of maybe a random promotion via direct mail or credit card. Uh, that that blows my mind. And I, I, I it's so disappointing. Now, I will say, I feel like, especially in the last couple of years, some people have woken up in the industry and, and started to improve that with a little more communication. Uh, it less is more sometimes on that front. So you're being a little smarter with your communication, but at least you're talking to somebody, which is, mm-hmm. is sad to say is revolutionary uh, in the industry. You know, the interesting thing about that is I, I've had exactly the same experience. You know, um, my bank, which will go unnamed, same thing. Been banking there for 30 years. They should know a lot about me, right? Because they they literally know some of the most personal information um, that I have. You know, I mean, how much money do I make? How much money do I spend? Where do I spend my money? Do I pay my bills on time? I do. But, you know, I mean, how many children do I have? One. You know, I mean, they know all of these things that are extremely, extremely personal, but yet, to your very good point, I don't share anything close to that with my, you know, cable company who I'm, you know, not in love with. But they definitely do communicate with me more and provide more information to me than my bank does. So I think that's such a, you know, that's such an important point. And I guess maybe the good news is that the bar is low. <laughs> there's there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, and so I, I guess to your point, you know, just engage in those conversations, pay attention to the data that you have, and how can you start, you know acting on that data to share that education. And keep in mind that the barrier to entry in terms of getting slightly more meaningful is lower than it's ever been. I mean, (laughs) lower than it's ever been. You can literally get just a little bit of data on Sue Woodard or Hunter Young and make a dramatic difference in how I perceive you as an organization. Uh, It could be something as simple as a more stylized rewards program to what I actually care about. That's just a transactional data pool. These are just little things that you already see in my account to know that maybe I don't eat at Applebee's, maybe I eat somewhere else and you can give me that (laughs) reward instead. Uh, That is not a difficult thing to do, but it makes all the difference. One of the most fascinating, um, you know, touch points that that I know that our folks uh, listening who are lenders, mortgage lenders, will often do is a birthday touch point. And I I used to kind of think like, who cares? Like, why do you want to hear about that? But the response rates and the connections that they get with their customers from just reaching out at the birthday. And it did occur to me how many, you know, my bank certainly knows what my birthday is. I never hear anything from on my birthday. And, you know, you kind of like that. You like that connection. So great point. The bar is low. Um, Map out that journey and see where those touch points are based on the data that you have that you could jump into. And, you know, kind of, again, continuing with that, you know, a very hot topic um, that I know you've discussed with with guests on your own podcast is that embedded finance that we talked about earlier, which, again, is integrating a financial service or technology with a traditionally non-financial service product or technology such as Amazon, right? So go a little bit deeper on that embedded finance and what does it mean actually for for the banks and lenders that are listening today? Yeah. So if you think about uh, there, this is there's layered decisions in here. There's technology decisions, there's marketing decisions, there's a lot that goes into embedded finance. But uh, if you're talking about just infrastructure wise, you know, there are moments in other apps, let's say you have partnerships with other credit companies, lending companies, fintech apps or whatnot, by forming those partnerships, by placing your 
your strengths. So if you're a bank or credit union, depository, lending, uh, holding money, reward solutions, these are your strengths as a company. Use those strengths to your advantage. Um, get inside and become a partner to, you know, a airline rewards app or do these kind of things. There are countless banks and credit unions in this company who power some of our favorite financial technology you know, popular apps and popular solutions. There are banks under Uber and Lyft. There are banks under Robinhood and Acorns and all these things. And you, as a consumer, you might be surprised who is underneath that. It might be what's considered a smaller community bank. So don't, uh, don't think size is going to prevent you from really using your strength to benefit your company. Hmm. Well, it, you know, as we as we wrap up, we got a couple minutes left. But you know, Hunter, one of the things because you've talked about so many interesting topics about you know the customer experience, the lack of communication, how low that bar is. You know, the embedded finance, you know, topic, which I think we're just going to see and hear more and more of that. You know, especially through your podcast in the in the the months and, and year to come. Um, one of the things I always really want to do is make sure that everybody listening walks away with one action item that, you know, hopefully they're all out for a nice walk, but when they get back to their desk or later today or tomorrow, what is something like really practical and actionable that you would say that folks could get back and say, you know what, I got to tackle this right away? Yeah, I say this to a lot of people, and I think it's a piece of advice that is is kind of grown out of what other people have commonly heard of as voice of the customer or having a seat uh, you know, putting a customer at the table, that kind of thing. But really, it's bigger than that. It's if you and everyone is, by the way, are in any way, shape or form involved in customer experience in your organization, you need to sit in someone else's seat to be part of the solution. And I think that's a critical aspect to improving customer experience in any organization. What I mean by that is whatever part of the customer experience you think is maybe not optimal or broken or whatever it may be, go and learn why. And the best way to do that is to sit in the seat. It could be of a fellow team member or employee who's kind of in charge of that area. It could be going and kind of sitting through that experience as a customer, but you will be better at improving that for your organization by going and doing that. That is brilliant advice when you talk about it, not just um, with a teammate, you know, in somewhere inside your company, but also the customer. Because I think that's that's such a brilliant point that every single person listening, you have a bank account and lots of us at least have been through the mortgage experience. And there's nothing like going through that experience or really sitting back and saying, hey, how does my bank actually communicate with me or if at all? And what was that mortgage experience like, you know, if I went through with my own company? In fact, we did this interesting thing that I think I've talked to you a little bit about um, at Total Expert, the experience experiment, where we actually had four employees that we sent out to go open accounts and transact some business and ask some questions of, of multiple financial institutions and compare their experiences. And, um, you know, we're kind of dripping out more of this content as time goes by, but it is it is stunning. So I love the idea of even kind of secret shopping your own company and really learning about that experience because no better way than to, to walk in their own shoes, so to speak. Absolutely. Cool. Well, it was so good to have the time with you today, Hunter. If people want to hear your podcast, where do they go? You can go to financialexperiencepodcast.com and you'll see all the episodes right there. 
financialexperiencepodcast.com. So great to hear from you. Great to hear your insights as it pertains to that embedded finance and digital customer experience and financial services. And for everybody listening, hey, thanks for tuning in and be on the lookout for another new episode of Fresh Takes coming up soon. Bye, everybody. I always enjoy talking to you. You've always got just great, you know, great insights and they're always really practical and actionable, which is um, what I love. There's something that people can leave and actually go do. So I appreciate it. It's good seeing you. Yeah. Good talking to you. And uh, good too.